Hey, this is basketball head coach Alex Marivelle, and you are listening to the State of Marauders podcast, sponsored by D1 Media Pro, the number one live stream in the state of New Jersey for high school sports. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the State of the Marauders podcast, where we will cover everything about your St. Peter's Prep Marauders. This week, we're going to feature once again all the post-game reaction and analysis from yet another wild game at Caden Point as your football marauders would defeat DePaul 10-7, this time, thankfully, in regulation. So we're going to talk all about that football game, the soccer team. They only ended up having one game on the schedule this week, so, so we're going to bring back Chris Emerald on the State of Marauders hotline to dissect that game against Hudson Catholic. And, yes, the big man is back, Rich Hansen, with another segment of the AD's Corner. He didn't give us his thoughts from the football game and his overall thoughts on the program as a whole. So sit back, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have an action-packed show on tap. We can always be found on any of your listening devices, on Apple, on Spotify, on Anchor. You name it, we're there. So... As always, make sure you're searching State of the Marauders on social media or follow us at SOT Marauders to see all of the exclusive Marauder content. As always, I am your host, Renato Rodriguez, along with, once again, Justin Pennick of the Class of 2016, co-host of Talking Giants. Justin, welcome back, and thank you again for spending some time with us this week, buddy. Oh, boy. Renato, <laughs> two sweaty, sweaty games back to back. I mean, two of the sweatiest games probably in like prep football history in terms of back to back weeks in, ter- uh, in terms of games that are you're sweating towards the end. And literally two weeks in a row where it came down to the final play of the game. Yeah. And luckily for St. Peter's Prep and great teams find a way to win and i do think st peter's prep is a great team they have some things to clean up we're going to talk about it on this uh episode but great teams find a way to win and two weeks in a row they did find a way to win right they they got the job done right that that's a w is a w in any athletic competition even as great the high school football team as st peter's prep is a win's a win they got the job done five and no on the season and the big key in this game was the special team's effort. We're going to talk more about Nico Duarte and the kicking roll in just a little bit. But we we had a, a, a great special team's effort out there. We had the C.J. Wesley 97-yard return for a touchdown in the second quarter. And then... Nico Duarte got that that game, that pretty much that game-winning field goal. Even though at that time, Justin, it really didn't feel like a game-winning field goal. You know, going up 10 with 10 minutes ago, you think, okay, there's no way DePaul would have a chance in this one, right? Yeah, no, it, and it was so strange because DePaul was moving the ball well throughout the game here and there, right. but drives were just stalling. It's due to penalties. Penalties were a huge theme of this game. And really, DePaul's identity throughout this year wasn't necessarily throwing the ball through the air. They were a very ground-and-pound team, and Mm -hmm. they did a great job of it. But once you get down into the red zone and once you get down into that green zone, the field just shrinks, and it's a lot harder to move the ball. But 
They answered that Nico Duarte 27-yard field goal right after in the fourth quarter. 10-yard touchdown reception. Anthony Almeida to A.J. Rodriguez on what was a great play by the quarterback. There was a cornerback that, cornerback that came in on a blitz. Almeida was the dump-off running back on that play, and Almeida beat the cornerback to the end zone, to the corner of the end zone. So then that's the scoring of this game. Those three scoring plays, that's it. There was no St. Peter's prep offensive touchdown today. And certainly they struggled. We'll talk about why they kind of struggled, but definitely special teams effort between Nico Duarte, Avery Powell on the block. That's two weeks in a row where Avery Powell gets a special teams block. block. I I got to – and I gotta, I gotta give, we gotta give Avery Powell some, some credit here. He's not gonna get of player course. of the game on offensive or defensive, but there are certain things that Avery Powell does right that is just outside of what he is quote unquote expected to do on defense because he's the D, he's DB one. He's the 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 shutdown lockdown corner who covers one side of the football field. And I'm gonna be honest. We haven't been calling his name much in coverage this year in terms of catches allowed. So he's doing his job on that end. But even certain plays where, like I said, he's not expected to be great, so to speak, but he is on special teams as a return man, on punt returns as a return man again, kickoff, punt you know, p- uh, punt team in general. He just right. makes plays all over the field. And even against Seton Hall, there were a few offensive plays that he got out there for because Sam Slade and Paul Lefkowitz, it was a long day. It was a hot day. So he was even running back and wide receiver for a, few, for a few plays. So Avery Powell is just making game difference, game saving plays week after week after week. And the only touchdown that St. Peter's prep had this game is because of that block. And then of course, a great return by CJ Wesley. Right. And we could look at all the angles, you know, Hey, we put his hand up and it looked like it hit maybe a prep play or maybe it was off the DePaul helmet. You couldn't really tell based on the angle. No, no, the we're, we're giving we're giving Avery the credit. We're, we're gonna give Avery, Avery the credit. credit. We're, gonna, we're gonna give Avery the credit. <laughs> we're, 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 we're a St. Pierce prep podcast. We're gonna give Avery the credit on the block. That's right. That's right. So if if I were to tell you that DePaul has 300 yards of offense, do you think they only score seven points? No, no, and no. really. What what's it, it that that's not really skewed because prep did allow it, but probably right. the most heart stopping moment of this game is it's ten seven. St. Peter's prep picks up a few first downs to eat up some clock, and they force DePaul to burn out their timeouts. And St. Peter's prep has the ball with around two minutes to go, but then Champ Long punts the ball, beautiful punt beautiful. that pins them down inside the five ten yard line. Is that the one yourself? You know, you're, the you're one? beautiful punt. You're thinking to yourself, there is no way, no way that yeah. DePaul is going to be able to, especially because of their lack of consistency with explosive plays and throwing the ball all, all year long. There's no way that DePaul is going to be able to march down the field and even get at the field goal range, get an opportunity for a field goal. And they did that. And that is probably the most concerning part for this prep defense is where they were playing prevent defense, and everybody knew that they were going to throw the ball. Everybody knew that they were going to throw the ball down the field, and they allowed DePaul to go down, you know, almost 90 yards. You know, 300 of those yards, 90 of those yards came within 40 seconds, right. <laughs> which is really crazy. Right. So, I mean, right. shout out to DePaul for how they were able to move the ball and uh, move the ball, move the ball, move DePaul. Shout out to the offense and shout out to their defense too for limiting prep to zero. No offensive touchdowns this this past Friday, and you know this was a top five matchup, and it, it certainly you know lived up to the billing for sure. 
And again, the defense, they, they only allowed seven points, 300 yards, seven points, yep. a, a grind and an effort by the prep defense. So I'm going to switch things up this week, Justin. I Do usually it. go first on the player players of the game awards. You you, t- you get us the defense. I think the defense deserves to go first this week. So so Justin, tell us who you think was the key player on defense this week. Yeah, the key player on defense was Eric Perez, and on that series in which DePaul was moving the ball at will, you know, nine almost ninety yards in a span of like forty to fifty seconds with no timeouts. So you do have to remember that. Every time um, a team gets a first down in, in the high school game, the clock does stop until the team is set. So that definitely did help DePaul there, even with zero timeouts. So DePaul did a great job getting to the line. But Eric Perez, when DePaul was moving the ball at will, and they were going in for a score, they weren't just looking for a field goal to tie the game and then send it overtime. They were inside the 5-10 yard line of St. Peter's Preps in the red zone. And they were looking to score. And they also credit to the secondary because on this Eric Perez sack, there was no way, there was nowhere for DePaul quarterback AJ Rodriguez to go. But Eric Perez gets the game ceiling sack, brings down the quarterback for a huge loss. I mean, huge. It was a 10, 15 yard loss on the play. And Eric Perez was asked to do a lot. These linebackers, both CJ Wesley and Eric Perez, they've been asked to do a lot because DePaul has bigger physical position players most notably they love to utilize their tight ends in the receiving game so Wesley and Perez are also asked to not only get after the quarterback when they're going on on a blitz or when they're the edge linebackers but they're also asked to drop back in coverage and cover those bigger physical skill position guys so shout out to Eric Perez made the play of the game on clinching with the game winning sack and that was a 20 yard sack according to my stats Justin yeah 20 20 yards 20 yards 20 yards, and, and that essentially killed every possible momentum. The quarterback had to come out because they it was hurt or his helmet came off. Yeah. Quarterback had to come out for one play, and they had to go to the end zone because they had no timeouts. So the clock was already running before they even got to line of scrimmage. So, yep. you know, great, great job by Eric Preston to seal the deal there. Back-to-back defensive player of the game award winner. Yeah. So... So the offense slash special teams, because I like special teams. I like to put, combine both here. I got to get it to Nico Duarte. I mean, he had a great game in kickoffs. You know, he he, he had a nice little pop kick that got the ball set up at the, at the 15 to 20 yard line. That was a great job by him. Yeah. But the key, the key to the game, my opinion, was his 27 yard field goal with 10 minutes left in the game. You know, as you said, preppers driving on that drive, and they could have gotten a touchdown. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But his 27-yard field goal ended up being the difference. Yep. You know, if the lead was at seven when DePaul drove, I, I think they win that game at the end. But, you know, that 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 field goal, in tough situation. He hasn't really kicked many field goals at all this year. Clutch, clutch moment. Hope to see more of that from Nico. Two for two and extra points as well. I mean, yeah. a, a pretty, pretty solid day by the special team unit as a whole. So my play of the game for this week for the offensive special teams goes to Nico Duarte. Go, buddy. You know, and nobody right. really works harder than, than Nico. I mean, during the offseason, he's going to different oh, camps. Yeah. He's working with trainers. Um, it's fun to see, you know, all, tracking him on social media. You know, Renato, you give him retweets and stuff like that. So that's how I see where, you know, what Nico Duarte is doing. He's the best. And what's really impressive about 
what Nico was able to do on Friday is that there was only one extra point attempt. So it wasn't like he was he got his sea legs under him. It wasn't like he had a right. few reps of some extra points already. Mm -hmm. And then, boom, he went out there and he kicked a field goal. It was a big moment. He hasn't attempted a lot of field goals this year. And I can only imagine that there's a different mentality when you're a high school kicker, when you're a kicker just in general. There's a different mentality that you have on field goals when something's worth three points. And then on an extra point where the ball's perfectly centered, you can kind of put the ball where you right. want. It's only worth, and it's only worth one point. Where where you know, oh, if I miss this extra point attempt, then a team can go for two the next time that they score a touchdown, and then they can get that point right back. You can't really get three points back when you miss it on a certain possession, right? So, shout out to Nico Duarte. Works really hard. It's fun to see him on the sideline too during games. He's always staying active. Kind of stays to himself. Doesn't talk to a lot of people, but he's always ready. He's mentally ready. He gets his mind right. He stretches, practices kicking kicking into the net and stuff like that, runs around, stretches. It's awesome to see him work and see him operate out there. So let's talk about the offense. And, you know, credit to DePaul's defense. They, they essentially made this offense non-existent all game long. You know, the offense only tallied 89 yards, ladies wow. and gentlemen. 89 yards. So nobody in the offense was going to be happy with this performance. You know, and Renato, I now think we're also at six quarters, not counting the overtime period versus Seton Hall last week. We're now at six quarters during regulation that St. Peter's prep offense has not scored a touchdown. Six quarters, huh? Yeah, because you have this, the second half right, last week against yeah, Seton Hall, and then yeah, now mm -hmm. four quarters against DePaul on Friday night. Right, so it's Tough sledding for the offense, you know. Champ Champ was efficient with his completion percentage. You know, he was 10 or 14 on the day. But, you know, there were a couple key drops that the receivers, you know, will definitely want to have back. He also had an overthrow in the end zone that he was going to want back as well. He had, I think it was Fitzway Legister wide open. Yeah. I think it was a good well, down was, play. You know, and, and the, thing with, the thing with Champ this game is doing the little things right. And yes, there were some of the receivers on the two big, the two biggest explosive play opportunities that Prep had this game, where receivers kind of streaking down the field for vertical routes. And really, what I what I'm what I would tell Champ, you know, if I was you know offense coordinator or Flaherty, is I'm I'm telling Champ trust your skill position players to get there on those plays where Champ, you know, yeah. where those receivers pseudo dropped the ball, they weren't really underthrown, but they could have been led a little bit more, where the skill position players and the St. Peter's prep wide receivers, they had a lot of separation on those vertical routes. So lead them, lead them, you know, force them to make that catch. And also don't give the defender an opportunity to get a hand in on the ball to force that incompletion. So if I'm champ, I'm telling him to lead his wide receivers a little bit more. And then on that overthrow to Fitzroy Legister in the end zone, I mean, that was one of those opportunities where I think champ was, not really throwing on the run, but he didn't have his feet set. I want to see Champ step up in the pocket, turn your body, step, throw. Don't really turn. Don't really you know face your body forward like your torso forward to the end zone. Keep your body turned. Regular throw. Just step up in the pocket normally. So Champ looked a little flustered these last two weeks, but I very much trust with his natural arm talent and his great athleticism. I trust that he's going to be able to pick it up. Right, and and again, credit to DePaul's defense. You know they yes. they. They had a couple of shutouts already this year, so this is not an easy defense to, to master against, you know, by any stretch of imagination. So, 
Hats off to DePaul for having a great defensive effort. Usually, though, we could rely on their running game, and it, it, it was also non-existent yet in, in this game. You know, I, I felt like the only wasn't creating holes enough for Sammy Slade, Jalen Klein, who also came in for a couple couple snaps, to, to get any holes in the running game. You know, trying to make go outside, inside. It was, there was no lanes, Justin, no lanes at all. Yeah, DePaul has a very fast, athletic, and hard-hitting defense. And one of the keys for them this game, and I talked about this pre-game on the D1 Media Pro broadcast, is that they needed to play gap integrity. Mm -hmm. St. Peter's Prep likes to do different things with their timing between various pitches, draws, outside zone, inside zone. So they like to change up the timing in terms of how they give Sam Slade and their running backs the ball. And they did a great job playing gap integrity all night where they were mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. getting too much upfield. They were allowing Sam Slade to kind of come to them and then making the play at the line of scrimmage, tackling his ankles, not allowing him to get yards after the contact, which that's how you kind of have to attack the St. Peter's prep offense. And DePaul did it. But really, Renato, what I want to talk about in terms of this offense is the last six quarters, there really hasn't been a lot of easy plays for this offense. No. That no. is what... St. Peter's prep in this offense, that is what makes them great in my opinion. Like, yes, I talk about explosive plays. I talk about explosive plays a lot because football is a game of can you produce explosive plays on offense and can you stop the explosive play on the defensive side of the ball? But the way that you set that up, at least in my opinion, is by churning out some drives, getting a first down. You know, you you set that up by getting on script and getting on schedule. And St. Peter's prep just hasn't been able to do that. And utilizing the quick intermediate passing game that hasn't been a thing for them for the last six quarters. Getting their wide receivers out in space for yards after the catch, that was the theme of the first three weeks. I was was. like, it's so so crazy how Fitzroy, Zion Fowler, Hassan Moore, all of these guys, and there's probably two names that I'm forgetting, you know, all these guys are getting separation yards after the catch, and it's quick. Quick here, quick here, quick here. So making things easier for Champ Long, making things easier for this offense – I think needs to be a priority this week with utilizing the pass game as an extension of the running game. Bubble screens, button hooks, all those plays haven't been there for St. Peter's Prep, and I don't know if it's because of schematically the defense is doing a good job, but if we can get that part of our offense rolling again, then I trust that everything else is going to follow. I agree with you. And there were, there were a couple plays in this game that they had the intermediate Play work. I know there was a couple catches. I think it was the second and last right on offense that yes. you know. Fitz, and that's when they game. moved the ball the best. That's right. when they moved the ball right. the best. Mm-hmm. When they, I think there was a couple. There was a couple plays in a row where Fitzroy right. Legister just ran a ran a little button hook on the right sideline. Button hook mm-hmm. here. Button hook there. Button hook here. And he got yards after the catch, and it set St. Peter's prep up in a pretty good spot to put some points on the board. Right. So, I, like I said, we, we're going to trust the offense. I think we're gonna, we're going to see a whole different. Offense next week against Don Bosco. So enough about the offense. Let's talk about the defense. Justin, you know, the Paul has some very big tight ends out there. Yes. You know, and, and they they were forced to record in the middle of the field all game long. Yeah, you know they had they had one of their uh, tight ends wearing number eighty nine, and he was barreling over defenders. I was like, oh, it looks like Mark Bavaro's out there for for DePaul. <laughs> Uh, tight end on the Giants uh, from the 80s and the 90s. So that was the first time that St. Peter's Prep really played. And even the wide receivers were big and physical, too. There was one wide receiver 
who was wearing a tight end number who was listed as 6'3". And I'm like, oh, that's a tight end. And like, oh, no, he's lining up at wide receiver. So I mean, these are big physical skill position players. And especially on that last drive where DePaul, you know, got, you know went 90 yards in almost 40 seconds, 50 seconds, the physicality of those skill position players really showed out. And especially the physicality of their tight ends, it showed out in quarters one through three as well. So that's an adjustment that St. Peter's Prep has to make. Or if they if they're playing those physical guys, because I know you know Bergen Catholic, I think that's the next big game that's circled on this schedule. You know, if they have any of those bigger physical guys, how do you attack that defensively? Because especially the secondary for St. Peter's Prep, it, they are very physical. They're they love to pray, press man at the line of scrimmage. They're very hard hitting, but also they're a little bit undersized, if, especially if you compare them to guys like what DePaul has offensively. So slight things that I think need to be fixed on defense. But again, you still have to feel great, but you only allowed seven points. But also the theme of this game, Renato, was defensive penalties and just penalties oh, in general yeah. mm-hmm. for both sides of the ball. I mean, St. Peter's Prep had 11 penalties, 11 penalties for 120 yards. And frankly, I, I don't, I don't mind if there's a pass interference here and there, which there was, I don't mind it. But it's the extracurricular post-play personal foul penalties that would bother me most as a coach. And it bothers me most even just as a fan of this team because you're shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, that's what you're doing. Giving an extra 15 yards. Yeah. I mean, by getting in someone's face, by shoving somebody, by saying a word that you're not supposed to say and the officials Mm -hmm. hear it. I mean, that is stuff where you're giving yards to an opposing offense, especially in close games. So playing really a theme for the St. Peter's prep team is when you're not, when things aren't going according to plan and even when you're winning, like they were winning for seven, nothing for most of this game. They were winning for 10, 10 to nothing for most of this game as well. Stay within the game, stay within the game plan. You got to play yeah. like it's zero, zero, you know, not getting too emotional. If things aren't kind of going your way. And I think that's kind of what they fell victim to this game with a lot of the uh, personal foul penalties that they occurred. Also, keep in mind, Justin, we're coming off a short week here for the Marauders. You know, they yes. had that game Saturday afternoon. They were playing Friday night against the Paul. So, you know, short week, a lot of fatigue, you know, guys banged up. So you got to keep that in mind, too. You know, I know yep. it was a lot of penalties, but it's understandable. You know, it's not like not everyone's 100%. You know, they need they need. This week is gonna be good for them because they're gonna be on normal rest. So it's it's, it's gonna. I think I think they're gonna be okay. I think they're gonna be okay. No, no, more nation. Don't don't panic. Don't panic. We're five and zero. We're good shape. Yeah. Right. Good shape. No, and I'm very glad that we're talking about this St. Peter's prep team and maybe being a little bit more critical, even though we we did win and we are five and zero and you know you feel good about the season. I'm glad we're talking about this now and it's the end of September, versus let's say a devastating loss against Bergen Catholic, or let's say heading into next week, Don Bosco, which I would believe that St. Peter's prep would be favored in that game coming off Mm -hmm. of a loss that we just didn't see coming against Don Bosco. I'm kind of glad that St. Peter's prep has had two weeks in a row where there are things to clean up, but they come away with W's and they're looking at those things that they need to clean up and they're coming in wins, which is great. Right. And at the end of the day, as we mentioned, a win's a win, win's a win. Right. Right, go one and zero each week, and you win the championship. That's all. That's all that matters. All that matters. That's right. So the soccer team, you know, they they originally have three games on the docket, but you know, we had a lot of rain this week, had cancellations. 
So they only had one game, which was against Hudson Catholic. So on this week's State of the Morals Hotline, we're going to bring back our Carly Chris Emerald as he gives us his perspective on how the soccer team fared this week. Welcome to the State of the Marauders Hotline, sponsored by Siabra's Market, located on 1315 Galloping Hill Road in Union, New Jersey. You'll find a huge variety of products in our stores, from the freshest fruit and vegetables to the tastiest meat and fish. Visit your local Siabra's Market store today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Chris here again. Going to bring you some more content about the St. Peter's Prep soccer team this week. They had a, a light week on uh, games. They had a couple cancellations. And to make an amendment to last week's segment, which also came up in the pod, they did beat Hasbrook Heights 7-1 at the weekend to snap what was a two-game skid against two of the tougher teams in Hudson County. They were hoping to build on that momentum going into this week, but it all just uh, kind of blew up in their faces on a game with Hudson Catholic early in the week last week, last Tuesday with a 4-2 loss where they went down 3-0. They would wind up scoring a couple late on in the game. A.J. Farinas and Quentin Weintraub with the goals for St. Peter's. A.J. Farinas adding to what has been a very solid start to the season for him with four goals in the first seven games. Weintraub as well, two goals and an assist so far for him. But Hudson Catholic just had a bit too much in this one. Goals by David Waba, John Franco, Ponce, Zane Reyes, two assists for Hudson Catholic, as well as uh, Leif Urias and Kyle Smith with the other two goals. Ryan Wild put on a performance to remember for Hudson Catholic with 13 saves in this one. Simon Yanez will want likely to forget this one, shipping four, making five saves. Um, and really, this is a time where you're going to have to start asking questions about this team. It's a beyond disappointing result, really, looking at it. Uh, Hudson Catholic is one of those games going in uh, that you very much expect to win. They've been consistently a struggling team in this conference. Uh, they've had a good start to this year, sitting at 4-2, and two, losses to Union City and Dickinson. But, you know, getting the, their other wins were against North Bergen, Memorial, and Hoboken, none of whom are really all that great in county play on from a traditional point standpoint. Uh, although Hoboken uh, have had a decent enough start to their season, again, against not traditionally strong competition. But going into a game like this, if you're going to be one of those top two teams in the county, you can't drop games to teams like this. And it's very disappointing to have a result like this that, almost completely throws into question what your goals are for the season and really starts to make the team have some wondering about, you know, the, they had to have been going in driving for a state title and at least an appearance and definitely for the county. And then you go into a game like this, you're now two and three in Hudson County, uh, losses to the two teams that you expect to be ahead of you and lost to one that you expect to be well behind. You, you really have to start examining what this team really is. And now the momentum's all off. They lost the opportunity to try and rebound during the week with a couple cancellations, St. Rose being one of those. But it really is a, a, a brutal result for St. Peter's to take this early in the season. And they do have to find a way to respond going forward because this is not the team that they 
expect to be. They cannot be a team that goes into Hudson County and loses games to Hudson Catholic and drops all drops starts under 500 in county play. That can't be the team that they are. So going forward, this is a result that they'll want to forget. This is a result that they'll need to forget. They go up against Dickinson on Tuesday at Dickinson uh, to continue their Hudson County slate. They get a couple home games against Bayonne and North Bergen, who you, they have already beaten this year. You have to expect them to be victories. But now that's all up in the air after the the nightmarish result against Hudson Catholic. You really do have to ask some questions. Bayonne still without a win so far this season. 0-6-1, and 0-5-1 in county. They have only they have scored four goals in this young season so far. Or pardon me, five goals. Two or three of them came in their their tie with Memorial, and the other two came in a six-one loss to Dickinson and an eleven-to-one loss versus Carney. In every other game, they've been shut out, including by St. Peter's in the season opener in a five-zero win. So that's one you just have to have on Thursday in Dickinson. Looks like a bit of a tougher game now. They gave a lot of trouble to a Hudson Catholic team that maybe is making an extra step up. And they did beat them in the end with a 3-2 victory. But they're one of those teams that, you know, traditionally in the county you do expect to win. They did beat St. Peter's, I believe, last season in a tight affair. It was a 2 nothing victory for Dickinson. So that game now is firmly in question. And it's just not where you want your season to be at this point. I'm sure at this point you were expecting to have a loss on the schedule at least, but to have three and lose at home to Kearney and Union City, you were hoping that Kearney would be a win. Kearney's a ranked opponent. You're always going to have trouble with them. If you drop that game, it happens. Union City at home, you have to take that, even though they are a tricky team. And now... Hudson Catholic on the road should never have been a question. That should have been a win 100% of the time. So now the team is in a bit of flux, and they have to build momentum quickly. They have North Bergen on October 5th following these Dickinson and Bayonne games. Dickinson, by the way, 3-3 three and three in county so far this season, 3-3 three and three overall. North Bergen, 3-3 three and three as well in county after an 0-3 start. And so they're building on their momentum, uh, trying to get back into that conversation trying to be that tricky team that they've been historically in the county but now with Kearney and Union City away looking like much tougher games after the nightmare that you had against Hudson Catholic uh, you got to start really considering where this team should be and if you don't come out of this week with two wins you do have to ask some questions Uh, so with that being said it's a pleasure to be back with you guys and I'll see you all again next week Thank you, Chris, for your thoughts and perspectives on the soccer team. We really appreciate it, buddy. So now, here are the rest of the results from the program this week. Want to go right into cross country. They went to the McGee Memorial Classic in Clark. They put on a great showing out there for the fans. The juniors ended in third place with a score of 105, led by Alex Schimmel and Theodore McCarthy who both set personal records and ended up 5th and 10th, respectively. The seniors won their event with a score of 90 and were led by Luke Bradley and Brandon Schimmel, who ended up 7th and 13th, respectively. The sophomores ended in 3rd. 
They were led by Ivan Rocks and Danny Kramer, who ended up 5th and 16th, respectively. And lastly, the freshman team ended up 10th overall to round out the cross-country team as a whole. So great job by all those guys, and they're going to be heading down to Homedale this Saturday in the Shore Coach Invitation. Water Polo went down to Pingree and lost 17-5 to go 2-1-1 on this season. As of now, they are scheduled to take on Fieldston High in the Bronx on Wednesday at 4.15. So be sure to come out and support all of your Marauders competing this week. So a great job out there by all the prep athletes. I want to wish you all the best of luck as you progress through your regular season schedule and head towards the pivotal postseason play. I want to thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast. Be sure to spread the word by sharing our social media profile at Reuters to everyone you know and continue to check them out for all of the latest updates. But before we bid adieu, we have the big man, Rich Hansen, back with his 80s corner. So sit back, relax, enjoy the segment. We're going to see you all next week. And as always, let's go prep. This is Rich Hansen, Prep's Athletic Director. Tune in to my segment on the State of Marauders podcast, the Athletic Director's Corner for all things prep athletics. Insights, updates, scoops coming your way. Welcome to the AD's Corner, sponsored by the Tona Bene Group. They provide leadership solutions for nonprofit organizations, as well as professional fundraising, executive solutions, and sales for New Jersey businesses. For more information, call 201-932-0100 today. That's 201-932-0100. Hello, everyone. I am Renato Rodriguez. I'm joined once again by the longtime athletic director, Rich Hansen. Rich, welcome back to the podcast. How are you feeling today, buddy? Good morning, Renato. Feel good. How's everything going? Everything's going good. Everything's going good. So first off, you know, we had another nail-biting victory at Caden Point Friday night. The football team would win 10-7 to against the DePaul Catholic Spartans. And boy, Rich... The, the, the Marauder team sure loves to get us some dramatics each week, it seems like, huh? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't pretty, but win is a win. And, uh, you know, we'll grind them out and take them any way we can. You know, it's one of those one of those nights. We played a good team and, you know, found a way to win. Right. And we we always say a win is a win no matter what. We, we just, you just said that. So what, what were your overall thoughts on the game? Well, first of all, I thought, you know, it says something about our fabric to find a way to dig down, you know, dig deep and, and figure out a way to pull out a game that, you know, we, we didn't have the momentum and we didn't have uh, very much rhythm. But defensively, we, we bent, didn't break, played strong, yeah. played tough, found a way. CJ found the loose ball and, and scooped it and got our touchdown for us. And, uh, you know, that, that that's what happens. Like, you have to manufacture ways to win manufacture ways to be productive, particularly when you're struggling offensively. And I think defensively, we were able to do some good things. And, you know, Zwarte uh, drills that, that field goal. And I feel so good for him because he worked so hard and 
uh, to have an opportunity to do that, extend it, and, mm-hmm. and uh, for it to prove to be the winning, you know, winning points. You know, we just grinded it, and uh, sometimes you got to do that, especially in, in this league. You know, they're not all going to be pretty, and uh, you just have to do what you have to do and find a way. To, and in order to do that, you you got to have a resilience uh, to you, and I think this team does. I, I agree 100%. So what can you tell us about next week's opponents? You don't want to go on the road for the first of three consecutive road games, going to face off against the Don Bosco for Pyman. <laughs> So what, what can you tell us about Don Bosco so far this year? Well, I know their record is is not what they would want it to be. They've played some tough games, just had another tough one against Bergen. But listen, it, in our league, none of these are givens or, you know, right. uh, you know Bosco's down, that doesn't exist. And, uh, the, the, you know, the, all those things that people say when they look at a one and three record, Bosco's been one and three before in the last seven years, six years. They, you know, they find a way. It's at their place. It's a Friday night. It's an alumni function. They're going to be jacked up. And they, you know, like everybody else in our division and in our league, they have enough talent to be able to do whatever they need to do, especially if we're not playing well. You have to bring a certain level of intensity and focus to, uh, to every game, no matter what. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that the staff is going to be on that beginning today. And uh, I think kids are smart enough to understand. You know, in a lot of ways, it was the best-case scenario Friday night. We didn't play well, but we but we won the game. So there's a lot to work right. on, but we got out of it with a W. So it really isn't the end of the world. We, we have to focus, you know, pivot and focus very quickly on Friday night because it's going to be, you know, as usual, it's going to be a war up there. So... The soccer team, you know, they were scheduled to play three games this week, but, you know, with the rainouts, cancellations, they only managed to play one. They lost to Hudson Catholic 4-2 at Caven, and they are now 4-3 and three on the season. So, like you mentioned, you know, they're a young team like this throughout the lineup. You know, they're trending the wrong direction right now. So, so what do you think they need to improve on to get back to those winning wins that they had early in the season? Well, here's the thing that happens when you start losing, especially losing games you're not accustomed to losing to schools you're not accustomed to losing to, like like this week's game against Hudson. You know, it's easy now to start pointing fingers, and it's easy now to, you know, really focus on the negatives. And that's exactly what you can't do if you're going to turn it around and get on a winning streak and break a losing streak. You know, they're not playing well. They need to figure out a way. To, to circle the wagons and really, uh, you know, come together. Uh, they are young, but that's not an excuse. You know, everybody's in high school, man. This is high school athletics. So uh, being young is an early season excuse, but we're not in the early season. We're mid-season. We played seven games. We're on our eighth game. It's time to turn the corner, and the only way to do that is to stick together. So my message to the soccer team and coaches is, you know, let's circle wagons and focus on the positives and work to get better. If we do that, we have a chance. If we don't do that, you know, the spiral will continue. But I'm confident that, you know, these guys are smart enough and skilled enough to understand what needs to be done, and the coaching staff is going to focus on that, I'm sure. So cross-country as a whole, you know, they had another great meet at the McGee Memorial Classic in Clark. The seniors won as a collected team. The juniors and yeah. sophomores both ended up third overall. So tell us what do you think about their successes this week? And then what do you expect of them going down the shore this weekend? Yeah, like we said last week, you know, 
progressing with every meet is really, really important for a young group. And that was a really good performance. Uh, um, I got to, to watch them work out this week. And as a group, you know, they just work so hard. And uh, the coaching staff is doing a really good job with them. So I was really happy to see that level of uh, performance this weekend. Uh, talk to coach a little bit. He's He's excited about it. And again, you know, you get a week to prepare. And next weekend will be a really competitive meet. And I think they're trending, as you said about soccer, in the wrong direction. I think these guys are trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So, I agree. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hope for a really good meet next week. And then I think when you put a couple back-to-back strong meets together, you start building some momentum. And I think it's exactly what a young team needs. And, you know, hopefully that can be done. So, finally, water polo, you know, they got to go to Pingree. And it wasn't a good t- contest for them. They would lose 17 to 5. They're now one on one in the season. So as as we talked about last week, you know, they're gonna head hopefully to play against Fieldston on Wednesday. So how vital is it for this team to just continue to get reps, keep building as the season progresses? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's all about playing. They need to, you know, they need to compete. They need to be in the water. They've been down for so long, and you know, everybody's in the same boat. So it's not like we're unique. But I think you have to find a way to be successful in those situations. And, you know, hopefully we get to get to, to get Fieldston on Wednesday because it's more water time. I think it's about getting water time. It's about, you know, staying together and working on it and getting better every week. Pingree's good, no doubt. But, you know, we, we need to be good as well. And I think the only way to do that is to stay in the water, get in the water, practice hard, make the most of our meets. And, you know, I think I – think, uh, as I said last week, just them getting reps is the, is really the focus right now. So that was longtime athletic director Rich Hansen. Rich, thank you once again for coming on this week's episode of the podcast. We really appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Good to talk to you, and uh, go for it. Hi, this is bowling coach Carmela Schlitzer, and you are listening to the State of the Marauders podcast, sponsored by D1 Media Pro, the number one live stream in the state for high school sports.